heaven is here now. Doesn't mean that you know we're in heaven in the sense that the, you know uh, that we don't have any challenges or trials, but it means that all that we need to live an abundant life, according to John ten ten, it's already present. What do we need that the blood of Jesus and the Spirit of God has not already given? The Bible says in Ephesians 1.3 that we are blessed with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. But the key is to enter into those blessings from the heavenly places and cause them to be realized in our lives here. Amen? So when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is here, he said it's not meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, Romans 14, 17. And the book of Luke, he says, the kingdom of God is within you. Someone says, well, I need faith. Well, the Bible says in Romans 12, 3, that God has given through the new birth the measure of faith to each of us. So we don't need faith. We need to cultivate the faith that we have. Amen? If Satan can get you to think that you don't have faith, or get you to think that you don't have love, you're going to be trying to fight to get something you already have rather than entering into a place of cultivation. Christianity, true Christianity, is not about trying through our own works to bring God down, as it says in Romans 10. It's about cultivating the reality that he has come down. Glory to God. He's died. He's resurrected. He's at the right hand of the Father. And now the Spirit of God is within us. Amen? I mean, that, that, that changes our lives, doesn't it? Again, if you're trying to find something that's already there, then, then it, it's not going to work. But if we enter into the revelation that what we need has already been given, we simply have to see it by his grace, amen, and then cultivate it. Uh, that uh, I, 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 not a young man, he's at my age now, but he, I went to high school and in college with him, and he, he was struggling, he had tumors on his head, you know, and we sent him a CD series, uh, Praying Through the Heart of God. You know, if you want to listen to it, it's on Spotify, the whole series. And he said, you know, he said, all my life, I've been seeking after God. And then through the series, by God's grace, I found that he's been seeking me. Amen? Yes. Glory to God. Salvation has already come. We need to enter into it through accepting him, amen, as our Savior. It's, it's life changing. We need to see that. Amen? So we said that God has given us, through the new birth, we said that, your spirit, man, the real you, it has uh, eyes, it has ears, glory to God, you know, it has a mind, you know, the Bible talks about the mind of our spirit. That's where faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but it's of, your, of the heart of your spirit. So glory to God, but the mind of your spirit then affects this mind. You know, when you hear from God, you don't hear from God with these ears. You hear from God through the ears of your Spirit man. Glory to God. I had a young man in uh, my office recently. And he said, you know what? I did a little gauge. I said, you know, how close is your relationship to Jesus? He said, you know, maybe a five. He wasn't from this church. He was going through some things. And, uh, and I said, well, how well do you hear from God? Uh, you know what? He said, man, a zero. But I said, he, he, loved, he loved the Lord. He accepted Jesus. I said, man, you just haven't been taught that you have ears to hear. 
See, it's not that you can't hear, but if you don't understand and you have ears to hear, you're not going to incline your ear to hear. Amen? Lord, man, his life is changing. Glory to Jesus. So God has given us um, the mind of our spirit, Ephesians 1.16, to believe. He's given us the eyes of our spirit to, to sense the, 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 the glory of God. Hallelujah. He's given us the ears of our spirit to hear the word, word of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And, and that is, is so important because the new birth isn't just a ticket to heaven. It's you entering in to becoming the image of God that just like Adam and Eve were in the garden. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin, that you and I be, might become the righteousness of God in him. Glory to Jesus. So I, I said all that because it's, it's important to reiterate because it's the basis of everything. It really is. It's the basis of everything. Because again, religion is trying to get accepted by God through your works. Christianity is the reality that we are accepted, amen, in the beloved. Not only accepted, but born again, man, in the image and likeness of Jesus, amen. All right, so we want to enter into making this practical now, all right? So let's look at a, a, and just how we enter in to seeing God, hearing God, entering into experiencing God. So let's look at a principle in 2 Kings uh, chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. Hallelujah, Jesus. And this is in the context of Elijah and Elisha. Elisha was being discipled by Elijah. And uh, Elijah was going to be taken up into heaven. And Elisha knew it. All the sons of the prophets, they, they knew in the spirit. No one told them, but they could sense in their heart that Elijah was going to be taken up to heaven. And just now, you know, you can sense things in your heart. You know, God says, I tell you of things to come. You know, we sense, you know, what's going on in the spirit. So what happens is this. Uh, we don't have time to go into all of this, but there's a very powerful type. They start at Gil Gilgal, which is a place of equipping then they go to uh, <clears throat> Bethel, which represents church. And then they went to Jericho, which represents battle. Then they went to the Jordan, which literally represents a dying to self. And, and that's how we enter into the anointing. It's receiving salvation. It's receiving what we need to be equipped with. It's, and, and it's receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's entering in. Then to a church, praise God, not in a legalistic way, a religious way, but where we can grow together. And that involves battle, amen? God equips us for battle. And, and then it is a dying to self. So when they go from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho uh, to the Jordan, uh, Elijah says to Elisha, he says this, if I can find it here. Mm, yeah, it says in verse 9, 2 Kings 2, 9, it came to pass when they were going over that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee before I am taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Now you have to understand, Elijah was one of the greatest men of God that ever lived. 
A lot of people think he's going to be one of the two witnesses that Revelation shares of having never died. Some people say it's Elijah and Enoch. Some say Elijah and Moses. All I know is this, that he was a great man of God. And he says, you've asked a really hard thing. I mean, Elisha's saying, I want to I wanna enter into doing for God twice what you did. And I think Elisha was, or Elijah was surprised by the request. Wow. But it says you have not because you ask not. Amen. Now here's, here's what I, I want, God wants us to see. He said, all right. He said, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be unto thee. But if you don't see me, it shall not be so. See, he's going to be taken up in the spirit. All the sons of the prophets, when he was taken up, they knew he was gone, but they never saw the chariots of fire. They never saw the angels of fire. They never saw in the spirit realm. And see, this is such an important principle. If we want to enter into intimacy with God, we have to believe it. We have to see it before we enter into it. Jesus said in John 3, 3, you're born again that you might see the kingdom of God. You can't enter into what you don't see. But John 3, 5 says, after you, you must be born again, that you might enter into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But you, have, you can't, again, you can't enter into what you don't see. So he says, if you see in the spirit, you know, we, you, know you walk in the spirit. That's the key, right? Man, I remember when I was a young Christian, uh, many years ago, I won't tell how many years ago, and I was, I was struggling. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm 18 years old and I love God, but I was just struggling with some different things. And, and I'd cry out to God and I'd say, Lord, just help me. And I kept hearing these words. I didn't even know it was a scripture verse back then. I was just saved. And uh, young Catholic boy just got saved. And, and I, I'd hear these words, walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And it would frustrate me. And I shared this before, but it's like, you know, you're being lost in the woods and you see a sign, right? You know, maybe 50 feet, you're excited. And then you see the sign that says you're lost. You know what I'm saying? That's how I felt when I heard that. But I began to see when you get the word of God in you and, and you know, you begin to walk in the spirit. Not, man, it's a different deal. So he saw, the Bible, Elijah saw, he saw the fire, the chariots of fire, the horses of fire. He saw it. And because he saw it, the mantle of God fell to him. And then he entered into doing twice the works of Elijah. Okay? So it's, a, it's such an important principle. See, the Bible says in Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of his word, the scripture. And our foundation is first and foremost, the word of God. Amen? And that's what's under attack. It's always been under attack, especially in our nation. Right now, non-absolutistic thought is really trending among our youth and so many, meaning there are no absolutes. Well, if the Bible is the book of absolutes, and you're saying there are no absolutes, you have to get rid of the Bible to really validate your belief. But we're, the Bible, amen, you can't separate Jesus from his word. Amen. So, but the bottom line, Psalm 119, 130 says, the entrance of his word gives light. See, so when there's light, whoo, glory to God. That's what we need to say. God, there is light to see what I need to see in the context of my relationship with you. 
Maybe here's someone who says, I got light on the subject. That might be just walking in victory. Might be in the area of healing. Might be in the area of sharing your faith effectively. The entrance of his word gives light. The psalmist says it's a, it, it, his word is a lamp unto our feet. Glory to God. It's light. All right. So let's get more specific here. And let, let's look at some things that I think will really help us. All right. Go with me to Mark chapter 8. I know there's a lot of scripture here. But you can get the, all you have to do is see Brad back at the table and to get a CD of this or you can watch it over and over again on YouTube or however, Spotify. Mark chapter 8. It says in verse 22, Jesus came to Bethsaida and they brought to him a blind man, beseeching him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand, led him out of town, and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After this, Jesus put his hands again upon his eyes. I'm reading from the Amplified now. And he made him look up and focus on definite objects. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. If we're going to enter in to receiving the light of revelation, we need to focus on the scripture. I know that's simplistic, but it's the key to life. It's one thing to read it or even teach it in Sunday school. It's another thing to focus on it and magnify it and cause it to be your life. Amen? Glory to God. Someone says, what's it mean to focus? That's what we're going to, that's what we're going to enter into today. Very simply, it means to continually look at it through the Grace of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of revelation, and, and letting God open the word of God up to us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm, Jesus. There's so much here. Go with me to James 1.21 if you would. There's a lot of scriptures we're involved with this teaching, and praise God. There should be a lot of scriptures involved in any, any teaching. Amen. Glory to God. In James chapter 1. Glory to God. We'll start with verse 21. You know, interestingly enough, you know, the book of James, you know, the Bible shares that, you know, Mary had a number of kids. She had, the Bible tells us she had, she had four uh, sons and, and, and daughters. The book of James is written by, you know, uh, James, who is, a, you know, in the family of Jesus. Obviously, Jesus is the only one born of a virgin. But in the book of Jude is written by Jude. They're both brothers of Jesus. So and they went from a place of disbelief to a place of making him Lord. Hallelujah. So James 1.21. And I'm reading from the King James. It says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Well, there's an expression. It just means lay, up, lay aside things that aren't good. Okay? The sins of the flesh. And receive with meekness... The engrafted word, the word of God, which is able to save your souls. So here we understand our when we accept Jesus, our spirit is saved. Amen. It's your spirit that gets born again. Now your soul, right, is your mind, your emotions, your personality, your willpower. Your soul is in the process of being saved. That's sanctification. Your spirit's saved. Amen. Sometimes we say well, there's 40 souls saved. 
in, in actuality, there's 40 people that got born again in their spirit. It's just like, you know, two, when two people get married, God joins their spirits together. Amen? But I'll tell you what, it's going to take some work to get your souls together. Amen? <laughs> and that's the truth. Amen? You have to learn. Amen? To, man, your spouse has weaknesses. And you have to, we all have weaknesses. You have to learn. Amen? <laughs> My wife and I are laughing. You know what? You know, Hey, we have an awesome marriage, but our personalities are different. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the bottom line is this. You learn. Amen? In, in regards to marriage, you, you learn your souls, right? I have to, it's a, it's a process of sanctification. See, but here's what's so powerful. And I'm going to be very honest with you. Many of us, many of those listening to me today, however you're listening, Man, all of us have been through things that have been hard. Man, maybe you lost somebody at an early age. Maybe you feel responsible for hurting somebody. Maybe your soul was crushed by a divorce. You know, when you're a kid or, or, or it could be a hundred different things. Man, it can be sexual abuse. It can be domestic abuse. It can be all kinds of things. You know, here, I think we do people a disservice when they get saved. They get, they get saved, and right away we put a four spiritual law track in their hands. And, you know, put them on this committee. And that, can I tell you something? Oh, that's good. I'm here to tell you something. Especially nowadays, when people get saved, most people that get saved today, they're hurting, man. They are hurting. You know, most of us, you know, we have a, a counseling center for Kids have been sexually abused and trafficked, and on and on. Man, I, I tell you what, there's a lot of hurt. That's why Jesus said, I come to preach the gospel to the poor, to everyone. Then right after he said, I come to heal those who are broken. When someone gets saved, we need to let them know there's a process, man, to get their brokenness taken care of. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. So there's a process here. Uh, but, so it says, the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. Wow. You know, in Isaiah 40, it says some people struggle with pride. That needs to go down. Amen. Some people struggle with, uh, really, inferiority. That needs to come up. The Bible talks about hard places. You know, some people just struggle with different things in their personality. They've never learned. There's all kinds of things. Amen? Glory to God. But we enter into a place, hallelujah, where Jesus, he takes us from one place and puts us in another. Amen? I've shared this many times, but I think it bears repetition. The Ark of the Covenant, you know, was made of Achaia wood, which is the worst wood possible to make something of. It was knotted, it was bent, and the craftsman, it took him hours and days and days to straighten it out, to get the knots out. And then, but then it was overlaid with gold, glory to God. The Ark of the Covenant represents us, you know, and that's where the Spirit of God dwelt above. Now we are the Ark, Amen. The Bible shares 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He was joined to the Lord as one spirit with him. 
We are the ark. He indwells us. But man, we have things, we have nuts to get out, bentness to be dealt with. It's not a bad thing, amen? It's a good thing. Because only Jesus, you say this with me, only Jesus, only Jesus, man, can save us, give us eternal life, make us the righteousness, hallelujah, of his son according to the Second Corinthians 5.21, but then only Jesus can cause us to be sanctified, perfected in the context of growing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So I, I love this verse. The engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Man, I know personally, man, growing up with a mother with spinal bifida, man, who had an early death, I tell you what, my soul was messed up, man. I was in all kind of trouble all the time because her people hurt people. I wasn't a Christian, never heard the gospel. Man, my soul was messed up. But you see, Jesus didn't just save me. He helped me get over that. Jesus can help us get over things. Hallelujah. That only he can cause us to get over. Amen? Glory to God. But see, we need to focus on this. But as we focus on the word, our soul will come in line with our spirit and it will become whole. Glory to Jesus. Okay, let's continue. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. You know, if you say, I believe the word, but don't act on it, there's something won't be right in, in your life. For if any be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is likened unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass in a mirror. He beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he is. Man, you can get saved. You're doing okay. But man, you can lose the excitement and the glory of yourself, of really what you've been saved from if, you, if you're not in the Word. But here, here's a powerful verse. In verse 25, it says, but, meaning, you know, not being like the man that's not to hear the Word, and, and, and uh, not to do of the Word, but whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's the Word of God. The Word of God is, is, is the perfect law of freedom. Man, the word of God will make you free. Amen? John 8, 32, Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall do what? It shall set you free. Then you will be disciples of mine. Man, there's a difference between being a convert and a disciple. God wants us to enter in to being free. How many Christians you know, in all honesty, they, they set apart, but they're not free. Wow. But here's how we get free. We need to look into the perfect law of liberty. Amen? You need to look into the perfect law of liberty daily. Man, with excitement. And continues therein. Someone says, how often do you read the word lots? It says, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed to know that he does. We need to daily focus, have our focus on the Word of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We need to be immersed in the Word. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, let's get more specific so we can, you know, uh, help this. Glory to God. There's so much here. When you get in the Word of God, the Word of God gets in you. And that's why John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done for you. 
It's amazing. Someone says, is it, is it this simple? Accept Jesus. And then do the basics of the Christian faith. Become a person of the word. You know, enter in, like we said in 2 Kings 2, to fellowship. You know, enter into worship. You, you know, living, you know, entering into the intimate relationship with God by you know hearing his voice. Yeah, it is that simple. Because again, it's about cultivation. You know, if you want to get a suntan, right? And you know what? You just don't stay in your house. You know, you go to the beach. You know, our, our two oldest daughters and their families, they live in Virginia Beach. A lot easier to get a suntan there than here. You know what I'm saying? Amen. But what do you do to get a suntan? All you do is rest in the sun, right? You let the sun's rays hit you, go into you. God wants us, hallelujah, to get an S-O-N-T and a suntan. Amen? Glory to God. How do you do that? By, by a man just, you know, fasting 20 days a month? No. It's reasonable. It's entering into a place. Man, whether, as you focus on the word, as you worship Jesus, man, just letting the rays of his love enter into you and enter into me. Glory to God. Again, it's just like a seed. I still get amazed by it. You know, seed time and harvest, right? Book of Genesis. Man, you put a seed in the ground. I, I know he knows how it happens. It, you know, germinates, it sprouts up. Man, that, that small seed, like a mustard seed, can turn into this huge tree that birds come to nest in. Isn't that amazing? A little seed. Wow. It's amazing. Well, we're born of incorruptible seed through the word of God. Our spirit is in seed form, but as we enter in to the word of God and are nurtured by the word through the spirit of God, our spirit begins to grow and mature. Our faith begins to grow. Our love walk begins to grow. <clears throat> it's exciting. Glory to God. All right. So, someone's, again, what you meditate on, what you look at is what you're going to become. I'm going to say that again. It's so simple, but so powerful. What you look at, what you meditate on, what you focus on is what you will become. Man, I don't, if you're a Christian or not, if you just focus on bad news, man, and there's a lot of bad news around, in there? If you focus on that, man, it's going to mess you up. I'm going I'm to focus on Jesus. Amen, Philippians 4. What's good, what's lovely, a good report. I'm going to focus on him. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, you can see this in the natural, in a bad way. Man, if you've had something bad happen to you, and you make that your focus, you're going to get bitter, you're going to get angry, you're going to get revengeful, and it's not going to be a good deal. If you focus on how somebody hurt you, when somebody hurts you, you can even focus on the hurt that they caused you and on that person, or you can focus on the ability that God's given you to love them and forgive them. 
Now, it doesn't mean if they hurt you severely, you have to have a relationship with them, but you can forgive and you can love. Amen? Hallelujah. Pastor Kathy said something to me yesterday. What did you say? We were, talk, we were counseling somebody. We were using Joyce Meyer's book, The Battlefield of Mind. And you said, you know what? One of the biggest things you want to communicate with the person we were counseling was that, you know what? You have a choice to meditate on what you want. Nobody can, you, that's your choice. You can either meditate on how someone's hurt you, you can meditate on how life seems to be unjust, or you can meditate, glory to God, on the love of God and how Jesus is going to take you from one place and put you in another. Amen? A lot of people don't like this preaching because it makes them accountable. You know, but the bottom line is, it's good to be accountable. Amen? All right. Glory to God. We're free to choose what we focus on. Hallelujah. Again, bad images by words. Man, man, somebody grows up, they're always told that they're no good. Their father's in prison. Oh, you're going to be just like your father, end up there too. Man, we negate those words in Jesus' name. Amen? The you know, labels that the enemy puts on us. Amen. Well, how much more if those words can get in us, how much and produce pain, how much more can the word of God get in us and produce life? Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. Let's just take this from a, a very simple and just see how this works. Go, go with me to Romans 8 if you would. Romans chapter 8. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. And Romans 8, it's, a, it's an amazing chapter. I'll tell you, it's just amazing. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Glory to God. You know what? I've meditated on this, and I'm very visual. And here's my Romans 8. I just take it out just like a letter, like it was written. Amen. It's come out of my Bible. Because I have written, really, I have read a few points on this. You know what I'm saying? People, I tell you, I have meditated on this so much, I've worn the pages out. And this is a pretty new Bible. You know, most Christians get hung up on Romans 7. They believe that's who they are. The things I, I want to do, I can't do. And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. That's not the gospel. That's a person that's unsaved under the law. Romans 8 is who we are. Romans 8 is who we are. Man, when we were in campus ministry, we, had, we started a group called Warriors in Grove City College. Man, we had left us over 600 kids. Still one of the largest, it is, I think, the largest group on campus now. We're not affiliated with it, but we started it out of a little Bible study with four guys. Anyways, we were going around a good Christian college. And, and a, a guy, Caleb and I, who was a leader, he actually was in university. And... and uh, just sharing with, with, with guys in a certain hallway. And we'd say, man, how are you guys doing with the Lord? Scale one to ten. Almost every kid said a five. Because they're struggling with normal things young men struggle with. And they all quoted Romans 7. Now, Caleb's a lawyer now in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He got so frustrated. He said, have you guys never heard about Romans 8? I said, just calm down. You know what I'm saying? Because most people haven't. 
Sometimes the natural mind, the flesh, gravitates towards negativity more than it does reality of who Jesus is. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes because of life's experiences, and I'm not condemning anybody, they probably never were taught, but bottom line is it's easy to gravitate towards that which is negative and degrading than that which is glorious and blessed. Man, Romans 8, hallelujah. Man, it says in verse 11, Oh, man, there's so much here, right? We know these verses, but I want to share it with us. Verse 10 says, If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead will also by his spirit quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are under no obligation to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if through the Spirit of God you do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, quickened by the Spirit of God, live through by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you not received the Spirit again under bondage to fear, but you received the Spirit of sonship by where you cry out, Abba, Father. Spirit himself bearing witness that with your spirit you're a child of God. And if a child of God and an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ, so be that we suffer with him that we might be glorified together. Whoo, glory to God. I don't know what that does to you, but it sure helps me. Now, a lot of Christians say, well, I know that verse. But you see, it's not saying I know it. It's entering into the place where it's in us to the point that the reality, the viability of this verse, glory to God, reigns in us. Amen? And so just think on this for a little bit. The same Holy Spirit who the Bible says created the world Again, you read the book of Hebrews chapter 1 and the book of Colossians. Jesus sowed into the heart of the Father. He spoke and then the Holy Spirit created. The same Holy Spirit that through his overshadowing glory caused Jesus to be in the womb of Mary supernaturally. The same Holy Spirit who anointed Jesus, Acts 10.38. The same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is in you and me. Wow. What's he in us for? Well, one, he, he, the Bible talks about koinonia with the Holy Spirit, intimacy with the Holy Spirit as a friend, as God. But the Bible calls him the Spirit of grace. The Spirit of grace. He's in us. To infuse the life of Jesus unto us. Amen. Glory to God. Philippians 4.13. King James says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Amplified says, I can do all things through Christ who infuses the life of Jesus into me. So I'm ready and equal to any challenge that I will face. Wow. Man, whether you're going through something really tough 
and you don't even understand it. The Spirit of God graces you and me to be able to continue on. Have you ever been in a place that if it wasn't for God's grace, you would not have continued? I'll put up both hands. It's about grace that we can continue. It's the power. Wow. The same power in us that raised Jesus from the dead. Wow. Glory to God. That's what my faith is in. Amen? Philippians 4.13, man, so powerful. But you see, the more you focus on it, meditate on it, look at it, the more it's going to become who you are. And the more you look at it, the more you'll be immersed in it, and the more it'll be a reality to you. I'm going to say that again. It's one thing to say, I believe. That's good. But to what degree do you believe? It's one thing to say, I, I know this verse, but what degree do we know? One of my favorite verses in Scripture is when Moses says, God, I know you, help me to know you. The Apostle Paul wrote half of the New Testament. He says, God, I'm pressing forward to the high mark of Jesus. Amen? Because there's so much more to enter into. I say this all the time, and it's so true. The greatest enemy of best is good. Because good is good, man. But maybe in the last days, good might not be good enough. Yeah, I've got a good relationship with Jesus, but you know what? Is it what it should, can be, should be? You know, when I coached, uh, taught high school, and I coached, coached track. I had a kid who's one of the best kids in the state. <clears throat> and he went through a lot, man. He was struggling with a lot of stuff and drugs and different things. He was, honestly, he didn't have to practice much to be good. I mean, without hardly practicing all, he, he, he ran like a 429 mile for me. And I went to him, I said, son, that's good. But here's what you have to do to enter in to fill in your potential. He ended up running like a 410 mile and one of the best in the state of Pennsylvania. We can settle for good. See, there's, the Bible says in Ezekiel, you'll be ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, or over your head. I want to be over my head. Amen? Hallelujah, Jesus. See, God doesn't condemn us but he caused us to enter in more. So we take Romans 8. I'm going to be honest with you. Let's just take the example of, of praying for people that are sick. You know, uh, the healing, you know, uh, meetings that we're doing are really taking a lot of people are coming from all over. You know, it can hardly get in here. It's just because, well, if one channel 40 has helped us. But it's because Jesus the resurrection power of Jesus is manifesting. Amen? I remember when I was only 22 years old, I was teaching in central Pennsylvania high school. And I don't know why, maybe because I had a Bible club that about 50 kids in it, and I was working on a master's degree at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. But they made me an elder in this uh, local church, Seventh God Church. Good church. And I, I'm, I'm very honest. 
So you know the elders at the end of the service, at least in that church and a lot of Assembly of God church, you, you know, you come to the altar and, and pray. And if you had needs, a lot of times there was people in need of healing. And after about six months, I just said, you know what? I'm going to be honest with myself. Mostly every person we're praying for, they're not getting better. They're getting worse. So I went to the pastor. I'm only 22. He's an older man. Obviously much closer relationship to the Lord than me because you know, he was older than me, loved the Lord. And, and I just said, I'm going to be honest with you. I said, I don't want to be an elder anymore because this doesn't work too well. And, and he's a great man, but he just said, well, you know, we pray if it's God's will, he'll do this. And if it's God's will, he'll do that. I said, all I know is this. It sure doesn't seem like it's God's will much to help people in this area. And uh, I just started seeking God. And the bottom line is this. God began to open up the scriptures to me. And, and, you know, he's the same today as he was yesterday. He'll be the same tomorrow as he is today. I said, all right, Lord, if you're the same. So I guess we should have the same results when we pray. And I began to see some things happen. You know what I'm saying? But I've noticed the more I put the word in me, the less there is of me, first of all. Amen? Glory to God. One of the best ways to get rid of you, I'm talking about the natural man, the selfish man, is to get the word in you. Amen? The word will come into you and it will displace you and me. In our pride and naturalness. But I began to notice the more I sought God, the more I experienced God in intimacy. Glory to God. And we're going to share some different examples because, see, here's the most exciting thing about Christianity. If you can, I can. If I can, you can. This paradigm, the pastor's way up here and people, that, that, that's deception. Jesus is no respecter of persons. Pastor is a grace to equip, but he's no better than anybody else. And he should not be stronger than I. I tell you, we all should do the works of God, right? I'll never forget, I've been meditating on Jesus being the same today as he was when he walked to earth. And I was doing a run was a number of years ago and I was on the school board. And I was running back towards my house into town. And I, I, man, there was... Uh, Fire trucks and, 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 all, and, and all kind of ambulances and stuff. So I, I just stopped. I was in my running clothes. And then I talked to one of the EMTs who I knew pretty well. He was just lived down the street from us. He said, there's a little boy, I think he was five years old, a college student, hit him with the vehicle, and they got, he's laid on the ground, and she backed up over him again. And he's in bad shape. I said, all right. So... I went to the, the mom. I never met her. I said, I said ma'am, I, I, can I pray for the little boy? And she was hysterical. She said, go ahead. So I, with the EMT who I knew, we, I just, you know, he, they're waiting for the helicopter to come from Pittsburgh. And I just laid hands on his knee and I, I, just, I, I just, I spoke life. Now I'm telling you this because, you see, the more the word of God in you, which is life, the more life will flow from you. Amen? And sure isn't because I'm anything, but because the Holy Ghost is in me, who is the spirit of grace, the spirit of life, the spirit of resurrection, glory to God, I had a peace. Because I could tell the spirit of God manifested through me. 
So I went to the mom. I said, ma'am, I understand. She's hysterical. I said, when you get in a helicopter, I want you to do two things. One, I want you to thank Jesus that your son's alive. Second, I want you to thank Jesus that prayer has been made and answered and you're going to have a good report. Well, I'll never forget. I mean, a couple of weeks went by. I don't know why. I guess she didn't know who I was. Maybe ask somebody. I guess she knew I was on the school board. She sent a letter actually to the superintendent who gave it to me. And she said, thank you so much for praying. She said, I went down there. Things didn't, and the helicopter didn't look good. But he's completely well. I mean, he was hit by the car and then ran over with the car. Why am I sharing that? Because what's in you, what you put in you is going to come out of you. Shh. Glory to Jesus. Amen. If you abide in me, living right as best you can, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. Glory to God. See, my, my desire as a pastor is to have every person, glory to God in this church and, and, and churches in the area because I'm friends with different pastors, is just to have every person walking in the light of God's word. Amen? Because see, that's what brings freedom and that's what brings life. Let's just use a couple other examples, amen, before we close today. Glory to Jesus. You can take any scripture Glory to Jesus, any scripture. You know, in the book of Luke, you know, the story of the prodigal son. There are so many people who have made their commitments to Jesus because they've seen the Father's heart. Amen? Again, the Word of God will cause faith to come in to the mind of your spirit. It will cause you to see the Father as He really is. How many people have come back to Jesus because of the story of the prodigal son? Man, they have these Billy Graham classics on Channel 4. I watch them all the time. Man, he had some faith for evangelism, didn't he? Man, I really appreciate his ministry. Franklin Graham obviously has it now. And, uh, man, tens, I know people have been saved in his crusades. Him utilizing the story of the prodigal son. There have been more people either accepted Christ or come back to Jesus. It's the most, you know, statistically, preached on one, sermons evangelistically in all the world, in the body of Christ. It should be. Why? It causes, causes faith to come, because it's the word of God, and it causes people to see the heart of God. Shh. Man, when you're sharing the gospel, Meditate on how Jesus shared John chapter 3 with Nicodemus. The story of the prodigal son. Man, Jesus met felt needs many times before. He'd meet someone's need before they came into relationship with him. Whether it's the leper, the blind man, and on and on. But see, as you meditate on the scriptures, honestly, and focus on them, I tell you, you can meditate on the scripture. Obviously, you can't. It's, I'm not 24-7 the rest of your life, and you'd only get part of it. Because the scripture, the, Jesus said, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, John 1-1, and the word become flesh. This word, 
is who Jesus is. It's infinite. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Mm. Let me just give a couple more examples before we pray. Captain and I were talking to someone recently, counseling them. They were uh, struggling with something that they did in their past. In fact, when, when Jim, when you and I, and, and we went and uh, there's a man that heard uh, about this church from an advertisement we had on Channel 40. And Jim and I went to, he called me in the middle of the night, like two in the morning. Not Jim, but this guy. And we went up to him. He was an older man in his 80s. And uh, we had the privilege to lead him to Jesus. He accepted Jesus just not that long ago. But he kept saying, you know what? When I was a young man, I, I did things wrong and I've never been able to forgive myself. I think he lived in Las Vegas or somewhere at the time. But we shared with him about the love of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus. And after he accepted Jesus, he said, so for the first time in many decades, I feel free. Hallelujah, Jesus. Man, the best solution for fighting condemnation is entering into scriptures on the mercy of Jesus. Psalm 136, 26 times it says the Lord is merciful. I'm not saying we don't need to live right. We do, but thank God when we mess up, we have an advocate and the mercy of God supersedes judgment. Glory to God. Man, the mercy of God is so powerful. Compassion and mercy literally are the same Greek word in the New Testament. Compassion. He's moved with compassion. Man, when people come and they're sick for the healing service, man, we're not judging them because of this or that. We're extending the hand of mercy. Jesus moves with compassion. Amen? Glory to God. But see, we need to meditate on his mercy. Hallelujah, Jesus. At the same time, we need to meditate on the truth of his justice as well. But we need to, we need to have, uh, be balanced. Oh, Jesus, there's so much here. There's so much here, Jesus. So much here. I, I, I have a lot of examples, but let me go with me to John 17. If you would, Bible scholars call John 17 the, the high priestly prayer of Jesus. We could teach on this forever, but we're just going to look at the, the last verse, John 17, 26. Jesus concludes his high priestly prayer, and this is right before he went to be crucified. So this was his last word of teaching. His last prayer, for the, he said, I've declared unto them, he's talking about the, his disciples, your name. When he says that, it goes with John 17, 6, where he says, I've manifest, Father, your name to the men you've given me. The names of Jesus, we've gone over these a lot. We have a CD series on them. You know, Jesus is Savior. Jesus is victory, is healer, is mercy, is love. Jesus, I will manifest the names 
within the Father's heart. Every name represents a part of God's heart. And he says, I have done that, and I will do it. Now listen to this. So that the love wherewith you have loved me with. How much? See, this is where we can focus and meditate. How much did Jesus experience the love of the Father when he's on the earth? It had to be infinite. In protection, in intimacy, in grace. I mean, but this verse blows my mind. It says, so I'm going to manifest my name continually, just like you manifested your name to me and through me. So that the love that you love me with, it'll be in them and I in them. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, Father, my last request for these men to you is they would experience you in a way like I did. As a man, your presence, your voice, your love. So that I can say that they were loved by you the same way I was loved when I walked the earth. Man, if that doesn't cause you to get excited, man, you need to get born again. Amen? For real. But since somebody says, that's too much. Well, you know what? That tells you about grace, doesn't it? It's unmerited. What do you do to deserve that? You could fast the rest of your life and you will never, ever merit that. Ever. Or I will. But it comes through the sacrifice of Jesus. It comes through the heart of God. You know, most people don't even know that verse is in there. Yet it's one of the hallmark verses of Christianity. It's because, why don't people preach it? Because it seems too out of the box. But Jesus is out of the box. His love is infinite. Undeserved. But yet a reality. I want to encourage you today. God's calling us to go up. When you go up, are you more responsible, accountable? Yeah. But you know what? Isn't it worth it? Sometimes I don't feel like getting in the Word of God. But you know, every time I get in, I just say, Jesus, I believe. Man, this Word is you. How can I say I want you and not want your word. And all I know is this. It's the biblical way to enter in. To intimacy. To strength. To revival. Amen. And I tell you what. What you get in the quiet place. By the spirit of God and the word. The devil can't take away. He didn't give it to you. And he can't take it away. We live by every word. Proceeding from the mouth of God. Can you stand with me? Glory to God. I know there's those listening to my voice right now. Maybe you had a hard time getting into the word of God. And maybe you're not even saved. I'm just here to tell you as we close the service right now. Come to Jesus. 
You're not going to lose by coming to Jesus. You might lose your old life. You might lose some old friends. But I'm going to tell you something. It is worth it. To say, Jesus, I need you. I want you. Come into my life. And those of us here today and listening, however, or watching by TV, let's thank God for his word, for the privilege to have the freedom in America to have his word in front of us. And let us see both the privilege, the awesome privilege, and the power of what happens when his word, who he is, gets inside of us through the Spirit of God. Can you right now, just say this with me if you would. Just say, Lord Jesus, I worship you for your word. You are the word. I declare that by your grace, it is my life. It is everything to me. And by your grace, I will immerse myself in it so you and I can enter in to the relationship you've ordained. But I just sense Jesus right now. I really do. Uh, man, if you need prayer, you can come up. Uh, I had a word of knowledge. I just heard the name Lauren. That means something to someone. You know, years ago, I had a name, K- what was it, KL? And a lady was sitting, she was in a church and said, I'm just going down to the hospital, they're going to pull the plug on this little boy named KL. I said, well, God gave that name supernaturally. Long story short, the parents didn't after hearing that, and he survived. He's alive today and well. But I heard the name Lauren, if that means something to somebody. But if you just have a need, just come up. And I just want to encourage you. The most exciting thing to me about Jesus is Jesus. But after that, it's the reality that he's no respecter of persons. It's for everybody. It's for all of us. We can all enter into an amazing relationship with Jesus. And we all have good good relationships, but we want to keep growing. Amen? I don't know about you. I need more Jesus. I want more Jesus. I'm so thankful. Man, that I have the privilege, just like you, to get more of Jesus. Amen?